0: As we begin, get ready to get started this morning. I did want to remind you of the last announcement we just uh, had uh, from this morning service. As you all know, I'm going to be out of town next week, and uh, if there's uh, Greg said he would take one of the services, so if anyone is interested in helping out with the other service, uh, please let us know immediately so that we can get that arranged as well. So by the end of the day, I'd like to have that taken care of, please. All right, let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 4. <coughs> Excuse me. Galatians chapter 4. And the title of the sermon this morning is called Regarding the Birth of Christ. Regarding the Birth of Christ. Now, what has led me to kind of look at this particular area is all the confusion, uh, all the things that I've heard. And let me just say this, I am so thankful that I don't see that kind of thing here at this church. However, uh, there are so many people that they're either all in or all out. Nowhere in the middle, it seems like. And uh, to be honest with you, it's one to where for years and years and years, I began to struggle. And uh, so uh, if you had known me maybe 15, 20 years ago and uh, taken a look at me, I was a very surly individual, especially over the month of December. And uh, I remember what began to have an impact on me was someone asked me one time, why are you so angry? And I thought, well, I'm not angry. How dare you say that I'm angry? And, you know, the reality is is that uh, there was something that I had gotten into my own life that was there. Now, I wore my special tie today uh, to let you know what side of the fence I stand on. That's why I wear the Grinch. And uh, so, you know, if anybody wants to know, it's a lot of fun. The kids enjoy it, and uh, I have a lot of fun with it as well a Soviet if you will. But I like first to look at Galatians chapter 4 and I want to show you that there is something important about the birth of Christ. It says in the beginning in verse 1 now I say that the heir as long as he is a child differeth nothing from a servant though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has set forth his Spirit of, the, of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did, not, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and, and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you uh, labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, and be as I am, for I am as ye are. You have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was, uh, was in the flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as the angels of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? For I bear you record that if you had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. I am therefore become your enemy, because I tell you the truth." They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealous, affected always, in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity to stand before the congregation today. And I pray, Father, that as this message goes out, that you will continue to bless and to provide and help us, dear Father, to understand the things that you have given us. Lord, I want to thank you for this message that you have laid upon my heart. And I pray, Father, that I may deliver it, not only with the right attitude and the right spirit that is within me, but, Lord, that I might be able to tell others of Christ in a mighty and powerful way. Lord, let me become more and more selfless that I may gain others unto you, But Lord, let me also know your ways so that there may be rejoicing in all that I do. So guide and bless and watch over us in this service today and watch over us in all things. In Christ we pray, and amen. So as I looked into the birth of Christ... And understand this, it's all around us. When we see all the festivities, we see all the lights. And, you know, let's put it this way. I uh, i love the lights myself. You know, when I like to drive around, I like to see the different things and the different imaginations. And it is pretty colorful to see it this time of year. Uh, you know, what's interesting is that Uh, There's many people that they fall into a depression, especially as winter approaches. And uh, as winter begins uh, to bring darkness upon the earth and the calmness that comes in, uh, people feel their their worth, they begin to feel that their usefulness is less, and uh, they fall into a despair of sorts. And so we can recognize it, they may not recognize it in themselves, but we can recognize it. But I have also seen a spiritual depression that has occurred in our world today. And let me just point this out to you is that I've heard so many people say I rejoice over the birth of Christ every day. I hope you do. But the reality is is that there is a reason that those things are written in the scripture. Do you realize that when we take a look at Genesis or when we take a look at Matthew's chapter 1 and 2 When we look at Luke 1 and 2, when we look at Hebrews chapter 1, when we take a look here like we just read here in the book of Galatians chapter 4, all of those are the Christ. Now, understandably, you can go into the Old Testament and you can see every little element that is there for us to garner and to gather to see if the one that we hold dearly to is truly the Christ or not. There is something that is absolutely amazing. When I began to read the Old Testament accounts, and as I said this morning, there is no way that I can take the opportunity and to really do any kind of justice on the message of Jesus Christ and his birth with the Old Testament without spending hours and hours, especially as I want to expound. Now, expounding is necessary. I don't know if you know this or not, but even Jesus expounded when he would read the Word of God, explaining to the people the wonderful message that is there. But as I recall the things that are there, I am brought to this understanding, this truth that is there. Look what it says in verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, that's an amazing part to me, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now, what makes it amazing to me is that I go back in, and again, we're going to hold our place here in the book of Galatians, and we're going to look at some of the areas of the promise. So let me just show this to you. In the book of Malachi, let's go back over there. That's the last book in the Old Testament, and I'm hoping that everybody understands this. In the book of Malachi, all right, Notice that it, it says in chapter four these particular words For behold the day cometh
1: that shall burn
0: all. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes in the soul of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I bring this one particular verse to your attention, or this one particular passage, because in chapter 4, and you can read the rest of it, It's very it's, uh, chapter 4 is only six verses, you can see the last words that were stated at the end of what we now call the Old Testament. And the book was closed. Never had there ever been a time, without
1: the direct declaration
0: of the Lord God being spoken or being delivered unto the children of Israel. Even with Adam, after Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, there was the promise of redemption.
1: And the promise of redemption was really, it was given unto Eve that that would be understood.
0: And all that came into place. But even more so, God was his design. He, he directed every little detail. You know, it says over in the book of Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, I don't know what the heavens looked like before the flood occurred. But I'm sure that as those stars were being seen upon the great canopy, that they shone through a special image that was there. What was that image? I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't tell you. But I will see it someday if the Lord will allow. And as that time comes in, I can imagine that they would say, you see, that's Virgo. We are... even as That was being presented. There was still no tribe that was called the Lion Tribe. So the more I see these things, the more that I realize. For us to at the truth, I'm going to show you another one. And this is where we're going to we're going to camp here just for a moment. Let's go to the Book of Genesis and let's go to Chapter 17. And then in the Book of Genesis, Chapter 17, there is an amazing. Response now. It's a little bit of a lengthy reading, and if you'll bear with me, I would appreciate it. But in Genesis chapter 17, the Lord visits a- a- Abram one more time. This is going to be the name change of a- Abram from Abram to Abraham, and from Sarai or Sarai, to Sarah. Look what it says, beginning in verse one. And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am Silence because of Ishmael. How do I know that? Go back to 16 and chapter chapter 16, and it says, "And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar had bare Ishmael to Abram." So there was 13 years of silence. Up to this point, God had never been that extended silent unto Abram, but now because of the birth of Ishmael, there was this deep silence. Now comes now comes the Lord God. ischemia with Isaac.
1: And notice again, people would laugh.
0: my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant, and with him, with thy seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee behold. amazing passage of Scripture to read. And yet, because of this passage, there is nothing but great
1: turmoil and all
2: and bound me because you want to
0: She bore him a child and called him Ishmael. But of the free woman was by father. I'm going to
3: take
2: to
1: the
0: in that part of faith and that. Testimony in the hall of faith, if you will, is Sarah, because God gave her strength and grace in her own. Now we have a couple of ladies that are in here. And they're pushing 90. You ready for another baby? <laughs> Do you want another child right now? You know, here's the thing. We look at them and we think, well, that's kind of crazy. You know, I'm beyond the childbearing years. Do you realize Sarah also thought the same thing? I'm beyond... <laughs> that I, when I worked for Christian Care Ministry, that uh, one of the nurses started laughing one day and she goes, we just had a lady 65 years of age announce that she's having a baby. And we all busted out laughing. And I said, that's not too far-fetched. Sarah had a baby when she was in her 90s, when she was 90 years of age, but most of us would really be freaked out if that would happen to us. By the way, how many of you all ever seen, this is a bar note, how many of you ever seen the, the movie Father of the Bride 2? Uh, i got to tell you this story. One, one uh, Wednesday night, I had a family that came up to me and they were so excited, they said, we're going to be grandparents. Our daughter is going to have a baby. And we were so excited for them, and and they, they said the baby's going to be up at Danville because, you know, it was a little bit cheaper to go up there to have a baby. And we were excited for them. Two weeks later, she came in, she goes, Brother Prater, would you pray for us? I said, what's the matter? She said, we're going to have a baby. And I laughed and I said, wouldn't it be funny if you were in Danville Hospital... And then one room would be you, and then the other room would be your daughter. And she goes, that's not funny. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Two different rooms. One had the, 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 the older couple had a little boy, I think it was, and the younger couple had a little girl. And whatever it was, it, it was so funny because the uncle and the, <laughs> the, uncle and the aunt, or the, uh, the uh, grandchild, was in the same room anyway, I thought that was funny. But think about this for a moment. The promise was given that something amazing was going to occur. Look at verse 24. Which things are an allegory for... what's going on. reality is, do you want to be enslaved by the world, or would you rather be free in Christ? Now, let me just say this. The enslavement of the world that we see all around, but in Jesus Christ, his mother, he obeyed Joseph, and he in fact was called the carpenter's son. Look what else it says. He differed nothing from a servant. Who could tell the difference between Jesus Christ and someone other child that was upon this earth? I believe that with Jesus it was demonstrated that there was a difference in him when during his bar mitzvah he stood before the wise men of the time when he was 12 years of age and they asked him questions and he was answering them and they were confounded by his answers. Shows you the power of God that was in him. But still he allowed himself to remain under subjection to his parents until the time that he came and announce that I am the Christ. Now, why do I bring this up? Because we want Jesus in a safe place. Do you realize the two places we want him? We want him either in a manger, or we want him on a cross. And he's ne- ne- in neither place. You see, everything that I have read in the Scripture points out to me the truth that is in Jesus Christ. And I look at Satan, how that he tries to destroy everything about Jesus in his own way of doing it. Where was Mary and Joseph at the time that Mary became pregnant with the Savior in the little town of Nazareth? She went down into she went down into Jerusalem, or where we find Zacharias was now serving. And soon as she entered in, the baby was within. A-
3: she
1: said presence and a greater hope read Luke chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 1 we
0: And Jesus no longer stayed in the innocence of a baby he no longer to the place to where he would pronounce these words I am the way I am the truth I am the life and no man no man In his heart. He rehearsed them over and again, just as a son of man, just as a son of man. But what was the disguise? I've oftentimes wondered as I took a look at the different things that were there. I mean, we see all the evidences that Jesus Christ had come to this earth and that he was the Savior. We had Simeon, who literally, when he saw the baby, he goes, I have now seen the promise of God, the consolation of Israel. Even Anna said, I now know that there is a wise one. The wise man had seen his stone in the east and the Magi in the corner. recognized And to declare, Every piece of the puzzle was fulfilled. But I thought about this for a moment. Why did God wait till the very last second to send Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. Number one, had they gotten there earlier, the Lamb of God would not have been born in a barn. He would have been born in a house. If there wasn't a decree by Caesar Augustus, he would have been born in Nazareth and not in Bethlehem. When Jesus came, he would have been. We, we said that he is despised and rejected according to Isaiah chapter 53. Do you realize that when he arrived at Bethlehem, they despised and they rejected the Savior from the beginning? But where's the promise? The promise was given by the angels to the shepherds that said, Unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior whose name is Jesus Christ the Lord. And when they heard this news, even the lowly shepherds arrived into this, in this manger scene, in this place which was probably a stone cave, and peered in for the Lamb of God that's now born. Why do we want to mess up so much the story that is in Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you why we want to see it messed up. You see, in the Old Testament beginning with Genesis chapter 1 we see that there's always a question always a question of the coming and how God had created everything in its place. Do you realize the only other declaration of confusion is found in Jesus Christ and his birth? I'll show you this. How many of you all have heard that Mary rode a donkey? Anyone heard that? Show that to me in Scripture. How many of you have heard that there were three wise men? But how many of you all know that three wise men definitely are not going to cause a stir throughout Jerusalem, but a great caravan will? How many of you all have heard that when Jesus was born, there was the wise men that showed up on the scene at his manger? But if you go look in the Scripture, it says, and they entered the house in which the child was not the baby. And not only that, but to share their testimony. Do you realize that Herod said, "What was the time that you first saw the star? And he was able to count the days after he saw the star and realize every child from two years and younger had to be put to death. Interesting, isn't it? But as long as we sow in confusion, the world, talking about. And if there's... tell people to read the Word of God. There's nothing more special, nothing more important. And the thing that really amazes me, and I I'll, and I'll put this in my notes as well, we like to give honor unto a cardinal or a bishop more than we would like to give honor to the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you the, lo- the truth behind the man that we so- call Saint Nick. He was a true bishop. In the very strongest sense of the word, in, in 325 A.D. I guess it was, because he was actually a signer of the Nicene Creed. He literally heard that Jesus was not deity probably took note of the man that was there. You want to talk about a righteous indignation? When the man who stood up and said, well, I... How many of you have heard that story? It's an absolute truth. And I really believe that if St. Nick, if you will, if he
1: had seen
0: all. reality is, is that we've lost a sense of the truth of the word of God the truth of the word of God do you realize Samuel does not come by eight reindeer he comes in on a horse You know how he comes in Italy? In a boat. So why is it that we make it so spectacular? Because we don't want to know the truth. And all the righteousness of Nicholas, of Barah, will never do anyone any good without the righteousness of Christ. Now, I'm not asking you all. You, you, you know, if you want to celebrate the, the, the holiday, by all means celebrate it. But celebrate it for the right reason. I'm going to tell you the way I think it ought to be done. Sit down with your family. You know, last year was my first year, first holiday that I got to spend with everybody. And we met in this back area. And I just took the Word of God and I said, would you all read this? And we took Luke 1... Luke 2, Matthew 1, and Matthew 2, and we read it. And my heart was overjoyed. You know why it meant so much to me? Because it was the pure essence of the Word of God. I'm going to read to you something. And it's a charge that every one of us should be thankful for. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 1. And I want to thank you all for putting up with my poor reading today. My eyes are crossing for whatever reason. But I want you to listen to this testimony beginning at verse 67. As the charge went to John, which we would know as John the Baptist. Everybody there? Luke chapter 1. And let's go down to verse 67. And Zacharias' tongue has been released and he's holding his son. I would have believed he was holding John. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited." and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then he looks at John and he says, And thou comma child, comma. This is the direct address he gives to his son. Look what he says to his son, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. There's two things that I amazed at in scripture. One is when Jesus looked at Thomas and He said, "You believe because you see." How many of us would have loved to heard Jesus say to us, "Physically, you believe." And here's John, before he's ever uttered a word, and He said, "But thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways." the herald, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that set in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the days of his showing unto Israel. Isn't that good stuff? Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Because that is the prelude to the birth of Christ. Two cousins that would come up together not knowing each other but playing an impact upon the world to come we have one message to deliver, and that is Jesus saves sinful men. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I hope that today you can honestly say with me that this is a blessing to know not only that we serve a risen Savior, but one that came in holiness as God had promised. Father, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand before you. And I pray that the message that was delivered today may be in holiness and righteousness in all things. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, I turn the message over to you.